Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast, Kevin Valentin. And I'm the other host of the podcast. My name is Kyle Dabro. Kev, we're recording a little bit earlier in as far as a couple days in advance, just based off of the hurricane that's going to start rolling over Florida. Um, I'm going to let you take this one from here just to kind of give uh, the people an update on how we're going to handle this moving forward. Yeah, so guys, with Hurricane Ian literally approaching Florida as we are currently speaking, it is Tuesday, and it is just absolutely nerve-wracking. And to be completely honest, the closer the hurricane approaches, I know that I myself am getting a little bit more worried because it's now changed to hit Fort Myers, which is where I am, and it's expected to hit Tampa, which is where Kyle is. So we don't know about the power outages and what it's going to do to our apartments and how it's going to affect us being able to record. So we would rather just put content out, or should I say, we would rather record content early, which kind of hinders our ability to make accurate predictions because injury reports are going to obviously be not finished. We're obviously not going to know how practice weeks happen. The development of internal practice stories, suspension, you name it, the endless possibilities of what could happen in a week of practice is endless. So Like I said, we are premature recording for the sake of the hurricane, so we do apologize if things are a little bit off and or if, for whatever reason, um, you know, our predictions aren't exactly accurate. So we're going to make the best of what we have right now, and if the episode's a little shorter than you're used to, you know, again, you know, we're making the best of what we can do. So, Kyle, we have quite a bit of an agenda. Not too much, but we have some good games uh, panned out for Sunday and, of course, the Monday night game. So you ready to get started? Yes, sir. Let's get to it. All right. So first, we're going to start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars headed over to Philadelphia to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Jacksonville's 2-1 and one right now. Philly is 3-0, and oh, the only undefeated team in the NFC. They're slated for a pretty good showdown in Philly, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It looks like a pretty compelling matchup. I know that on paper, you look at it and say the Jags should definitely get blown up by the Eagles, but that's not the case anymore. Trevor Lawrence has been playing relatively well. Obviously, the Eagles are playing at probably the highest level they've played in in quite some time, so it's going to be a good game. Moving next into the Bills and Ravens game, Buffalo is traveling to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Obviously, Buffalo falls to Miami last week and are no longer undefeated. And the Ravens just absolutely annihilated the Patriots the week before. So they're looking to to continue that momentum and build as their season continues. So we will see how Josh Allen and the Bills can, you know, uh, bounce back from those injuries and bounce back to see how they're able to... uh, fall back into place to a certain extent because, you know, Kyle and I still believe that they're probably one of the better teams in the league, but with with all the injuries on the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball, we don't know how that's going to pan out. So we'll kind of keep you posted as that progresses as well. The Sunday night game isn't going to be something that we had expected because it's the Bucks aren't exactly fully loaded at this point, at least as of today. So the Kansas City Chiefs are traveling over to Tampa to play the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. But with Tampa's injuries to the offensive line, to their wide receiver core, and they're struggling on offense, we don't know if this is going to be the Patrick Mahomes versus Brady rematch, uh, rematch that we've alluded to and wanted to for a while. And also, so, the game is supposed to be played in Tampa, right? That's probably going to get moved because of the hurricane. So more than likely, I think... They were considering playing it in Miami this weekend, potentially. I've seen some reports it, just because it was supposed to be a home game for the Bucs. 
Yeah, I know that Tampa evacuated all their teams, and I know that Miami evacuated their teams as well. But since Miami is on the east coast of Florida, for those of you that aren't aware, the hurricane right now is currently projected to hit the west coast and really smack up Tampa. So I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds completely accurate, honestly. Yeah, it's just, I mean, at this point, I mean, depending on how bad the hurricane actually, you know, hits Tampa, uh, it wouldn't be surprising to me if the NFL just makes a decision to just move it to an alternate site for both the Chiefs and the Bucks, or maybe they just postpone it and, and move it to a later date just based off of the hurricane alone. So that's kind of something that we'll kind of have to monitor throughout the week. And obviously, like Kev already alluded, you know, we're recording this a couple of days early. So there may be a development that comes out like on Wednesday and Thursday because this won't get uploaded until Friday. Yeah. So in between those days, we don't know what's going to happen. And again, if we have the ability to record, we will. But, you know, Kyle and I are both respectively doing what we need to do to stay safe. And that comes first as much as we love to do this. If both of us have no power, we're not about to use our phone battery to record with quality, uh, with crappy quality service and candlelight. So, yeah, not not, not to uh, deviate from the agenda, but you could go back to it. I just had to make that point. Yeah, no, no, you're good. I mean, and, and then to kind of wrap it up, the final game that we're going to talk about is the Monday night game. The NFC West, the Rams are going to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Uh, 49ers are coming off of an embarrassing loss with Jimmy Garoppolo running out of the back of the end zone. That is Dan Orlovsky's new butt buddy. Um, so we will see how they bounce back and see how they can defend their home turf against the, the Rams. We all know that the Rams won last week as well. So we're kind of looking to see if Matt Stafford can continue uh, the dominance that he had the week before, and if Jimmy and the 49ers can bounce back from their woes. But, I mean, Kyle, pretty short agenda, but definitely packed with some good matchups. So we're just going to go and dive right into the very first matchup, and that's going to be the Jags versus the Eagles. So, Kyle, I'm kicking this one to you. With the emergence of Trevor Lawrence and the emergence of that defense in Jacksonville, do you think that Jacksonville has an opportunity to knock Philly off of their undefeated streak? Oh, I, I am totally of the mindset that they could do that this weekend. When I look at the Jags and the performance that they had against the Chargers last week, it was one of the more shocking results from week three. The Jags won by 28 points. They won by the score of 38 to 10 against one of the better up-and-coming teams in the Los Angeles Chargers. And it wasn't even that competitive of a game. And the Chargers, with Justin Herbert and that high-flying offense, were just completely hampered by that Jags defense from beginning to end. I mean, to hold that offense to 10 points, that's really an accomplishment for what Jacksonville was able to do last week. And there's a very good chance that that momentum could carry over into week four when they go up against the, the, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So I think Jacksonville's in a very good opportunity for this space right here. It just It's really dependent on whether or not that Trevor Lawrence and that offense can continue the momentum that they had against the Chargers. Just because I thought Trevor did a great job against the Los Angeles Chargers last week. I thought that James Robinson... Uh, really kind of had a great game against the Chargers last week as well. He got somewhere around 100 yards rushing, broke off a pretty nice run for about 40 to 50 yards on a fourth down that ended up leading to a touchdown. But really, it was their defense that was quite surprising. They were able to get pressure against Justin Herbert. And there's a very good chance that if Jacksonville gets some favorable matchups at the line of scrimmage, uh, there's a chance that they could be able to get some pressure on Jalen Hurts. It's just, it really is kind of dependent on what the Eagles run for their playbook this upcoming week, just because when it comes to Nick Sirianni and the Eagles play calling, obviously they loved running the RPO with Jalen. And when you look at the Eagles offenses here, it's been solid this year. They've been able to score points consistently. They've been able to move the ball effectively, but there is one caveat that comes with the Eagles offense is that even though they, they can move the ball 30, 40, 50 yards down the field, 
They have had some inconsistency in scoring touchdowns. Uh, they've had a little bit of red zone issues when they get to that part of the field and they have to settle for field goals instead of cashing in on touchdowns. That'll be something of note going up against Jacksonville because, well, let's face it, the Jags have only given up 10 points defensively in the last two weeks. So they're playing up to snuff. And this is a great challenge for Jacksonville's defense to go up against a very competitive offense that the Eagles have at their disposal. So this is going to be a very fun game as far as I see it. I think both offenses are going to struggle just because I think the Eagles defense is just as capable to slow down Jacksonville's offense like the Jags defense can slow down the Eagles offense. This is not going to be a high scoring game the way that I see it. I think points are going to come at a premium here. I think both quarterbacks, both Trevor and Jalen are going to struggle in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they turned the ball over once, maybe twice in this game each. So this is going to be an opportunity for both defenses to kind of rise to the occasion and potentially flip a game based off of what they can do on the defensive side of the ball. I think when it's all said and done, though, I think I am going to favor the Eagles here. I have a little bit more faith in Jalen and that offense that I have with the Jags. I think the Jags are just a little bit too inexperienced at this point, but they are heading in the right direction. So it's not really a slight against Jacksonville. It's more of just I have more confidence at the Eagles in this point. And I think when it's all said and done, I'm going to say the Eagles win this one by the score of maybe 24 to 17. This is going to be a low scoring game, but I think that Jalen does enough for the offense with the Eagles here. And I think that with, with that defense uh, paired along with it, it's going to be the difference maker going into this weekend. I couldn't agree more. I think it's definitely going to be a defensive showdown, obviously with me cheering for Philly for obvious reasons. And of course, Jacksonville being in my division, I have to, of course, cheer for Philly even harder. So it just tends to go like this. I have faith that Jalen Hurts is going to be able to move the football. Like Kyle said, I don't know if Jacksonville's ready for the spotlight. I don't necessarily know if Jacksonville's played anybody up to snuff like the Eagles outside of Justin Herbert, who did play hurt, but again, no excuses. So Philly having one of the better offensive lines, one of the better running games in the NFL, and at the same time with the emergence of Jalen Hurts and his dual threat capabilities, I really do believe that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith showed that they are a walking nightmare for opposing defenses, and they're going to be able to move the ball. I agree with Kyle that turnovers may be a factor. Now, whether that's Jacksonville disguising coverages or finding ways to get the ball out in terms of forcing a fumble, we will see what happens. But I do believe that Philly is going to win this game confidently. I do believe it's going to be somewhere around the score of maybe 28-24, something like that, maybe even 28-17, just because when Philly gets rolling, they really seem unstoppable. And if Darius Slay and James Bradbury can guard the likes of Justin Jefferson and obviously um, Terry McLaurin and the emergence of uh, Jonathan Dotson, I'm, I'm thinking they can guard Christian Kirk. No disrespect to Kirk. I know I disrespected him a few weeks ago saying, who the hell was he? But... He's been playing really, really good this year. I mean, he's already got almost 300 yards and three touchdowns in just three weeks of football. So obviously that signing is doing very well for the Jaguars. And Doug Peterson makes his return to Philadelphia. So I think that this narrative is even bigger than what we're alluding it to be as of right this moment. So I don't know if Jackson was ready for the spotlight. I think that Nick Sirianni and those boys are ready for this type of matchup. Now I will put this out there as a caution. Jacksonville is playing at a high right now that they have not felt in years, and I mean literally, since Blake Bortles was the quarterback. And what was that, Kyle, 2017, 2018? Yep. They haven't had this in well over five seasons, basically, is what I'm saying. Whole new coaching staff, whole new team, whole new personnel. They might ride their youth and confidence into Philly. And if they were to upset the Eagles, I know it would shock a lot of people. I'm going to sit here right now confidently and say I don't think I'd be completely shocked because of the way that Trevor Lawrence has been playing efficiently at a clip. 
Um, he's not doing anything too flashy, too risky. He's only got one interception this season. And we all know that James Robinson in the running game with Etienne as well, backing him up on third down, have been moving the ball. The thing that I'm worried about right now is the pass rush. I'm not saying that Philly's offensive line isn't going to be able to contain them, but it just really looks like Jacksonville's getting after the quarterback at all facets of <laughs> what pass rushers need to do. So I'm just going to say I believe that Philly will win, but if Jacksonville were to come out of nowhere with a sliver of a close one, I really wouldn't be surprised. I will give Philly the edge, but I, I think Jacksonville does have a little bit more of a chance than the two of us are giving them credit for. Well, the game that they had against the Chargers last week, it surprised both of us just with how effective the offense looked and how stifling that defense was against Justin Herbert. It was really something of note when it came to just the Chargers' inability to be able to just score points because, I mean, let's face it, the Chargers have one of the best offenses in the league. Granted, they didn't have Keenan Allen in that matchup against Jacksonville, but to be able to hold that offense to 10 points... That's a good performance from Jacksonville moving forward. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen this week going up against the Eagles because, let's face it, the Eagles, by the grand scheme of things, are healthy across the board when it comes to all their targets to be able to throw to. Jalen Hurts isn't injured. You can't say that about Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert was playing with cracked ribs last week. So there were some things that were going against the Chargers' favor, that were going against their favor last week, that the Eagles may not necessarily have going into this week. So... And I think just going back to the experience point, I think the Eagles are a little bit more battle-tested, where the Jags, I think, are still relatively a young team. It's not necessarily a bad thing for the Jags. It's just, you know, with a younger team, they're a little bit more inexperienced. It comes with a little bit more mistakes. And I think as time goes along, they'll be able to learn from those mistakes. But I have to say, just based off of what the Eagles have had based on their start and the success that they are carrying from last year, I think that's going to carry them forward in, in this game. So I just like the way that the Eagles have been playing across the board, not just offensively, but their defense has been solid. I mean, the meme has been going around on social media the last couple of days, but it's like the Eagles held Carson Wentz to like negative one yards passing with three quarters. Like it was an impressive feat of what the Eagles did last week to the commanders. So uh, there's a very good chance that I think the Eagles could replicate that success. I don't think it's going to be to the point where they're holding Tre Trevor Lawrence too negative yards passing in, no. into the second half but i have to say i think the eagles got the i think they got the uh the edge in this one but don't be surprised if the Chargers, not the Chargers, the, the jags make this a game just because i mean we kind of dunked on the jack the jags a little bit before the season started with uh christian kirk uh zay jones and some of their wideouts but so far it's been decent to and, work right now. And and James Robinson's getting major carries and he's making Said the most that. of it. Yeah. So I I think right now, you know, who would have thought the Jags would be two and one? I mean, Jags fans kind of thought it could happen, but they kind of proved us wrong Duval! in that regard. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that, that's all I have to say on that one. So, I mean, we can talk about a different game. Obviously, moving into the AFC, we are going to focus on the Bills versus the Ravens. So Josh Allen and the Bills looked like superheroes. They looked like a force that was unstoppable for quite some time. And then they go into Miami and injuries settled in. And Miami was able to give them that upset, 21-19. Josh Allen came back down to earth because offensive line was hurt. Receivers weren't able to create separation as well as they did against Tennessee. And Miami really locked down. 
Now, I will go out and say that the Ravens are not Miami, but the Ravens did show success against the Dolphins just a few weeks ago, so they do know how to beat those coverages that Miami had, which leads me to believe that I feel like the Ravens will be able to combat a weakened Buffalo team, and I think that they're going to make this a pretty tough and difficult matchup for the Bills. So, Kyle, I'll kick this one to you. Do you believe that Josh Allen and the Bills can bounce back against the MVP frontrunner, in our opinion, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Yeah, I think that they can. It's a little bit difficult just based off of what their injury report is going to look like when it comes out on Wednesday. Because when we look back to last week and what their injury report was going against Miami, I mean, it looked like an infirmary list with how many defensive players that were injured and didn't end up playing. I would almost say like four to five starters from Buffalo's defense last week didn't play due to injury. And not only that, you have Micah, out, Micah Hyde that's out for the rest of the year with a neck injury. And then there's multiple other players on the defensive side of the ball that are dealing with injuries. So there's a very good chance that Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense can exploit some of the injuries that the Bills are facing on the defensive side of the ball right now. And it leads me to believe that the Ravens are going to put points on the board here. I don't know if it's going to mean that they're going to win, but I think Lamar Jackson and really the dual threat aspect that he brings with the Ravens, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to score touchdowns here. Now, when it comes to the Bills, the Bills... They definitely had a letdown game offensively. They only put up 17 points. Granted, the team scored 19 because the other two were based off of a butt-punt safety. But there were some opportunities that the Bills missed to score points against the Dolphins. And I do think that they're going to look back at the tape. They're going to see the mistakes that they made. Uh, The biggest one of note was probably Josh Allen uh, missing the connection on fourth down. It was basically within like the five-yard line. It would have probably been a very easy touchdown. Uh, basically uh, the far right pylon, but he missed that throw and they missed some other opportunities throughout the game to kind of put the game in their hand. But, you know, that's what happens. You know, you lose divisional games that are super competitive and, you know, you try to get a bet the next week. And I think going up against this Ravens defense, I think that Josh Allen's going to be able to exploit this weakened Ravens secondary just because when I look at the Ravens last week, granted they did win 37 to 26 against New England. But Mac Jones was able to find Devontae Parker multiple times against that secondary. And Devontae Parker probably had his biggest performance of the season so far with had five catches and was almost averaging 35 yards per catch. And I do think that with the receivers that Buffalo has at their disposal with Stephon Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis, I definitely think that there's going to be some solid opportunities for Josh Allen to stretch the field and really put that defense on their heels throughout the entire course of the game. So I definitely think that Josh Allen is capable of putting up three or four touchdowns in this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up probably somewhere between 40 to 60 yards rushing just based off of the fact of if a play breaks down, he could scramble out of the pocket and pick up a first down if the team needs it. So I think all things considered, this is going to be a very high-scoring affair. I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a very solid day just based off of the fact that the Bills' defense is dealing with injuries. I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up three touchdowns in this game. But I like the Bills here. I think the Bills are going to get back together just based off of the fact that they came so close to beating the Dolphins on the road last week. I have the utmost confidence that Josh Allen is going to be a man on a mission this upcoming week. And I do think that when it's all said and done, the Bills will get this one. If I had to put a score on it, like I said, very high-scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if this game finishes around 38 to 31, 35 to 31. This is going to be one of those games where I think it's going to be a shootout. And I think at the end of the day, I think the Bills are going to do just enough to get by Baltimore in this one at the end of the day. I'm going to have to strongly disagree with you. I have the injury report pulled up. 
It looks like a Christmas list from a toddler. That's how long it is. Dude, we're talking about at least 15 people injured. It's ridiculous. Tommy Doyle, one of their offensive linemen, has been placed on IR as of today. So that's another offensive lineman down. Jordan Poyer is questionable. Mitch Morse, their center, is questionable. That's another injury to their offensive line. Ed Oliver, one of their defensive tackles, and Jordan Phillips are both questionable. Dane Jackson, questionable. Uh, one of their wide receivers are questionable. Ryan Bates, another tackle. He just suffered a concussion on Sunday. So unless he clears protocol, which again, since it's Tuesday, we're not going to know that right now. If he doesn't, that's three offensive linemen down for Buffalo right off rip. That's absolutely asinine in and of itself. Then we're talking about Christian Benford, a corner, another one. He requires hand surgery after the Bills loss on Saturday or Sunday. So that's another corner that's down. And the list just continues to go on and on with players that are on injured reserve. And obviously, um, uh, Kyle already alluded to with uh, Micah Hyde being out for the year. This immediately impacts my decision. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I feel, are going to annihilate Buffalo. Josh Allen's going to have to be running for his life. He might even have to rush and lead the team in rushing. Shocker, I know, right? It's crazy. He might have to lead the team in rushing yards. Kyle, it's kind of comical because we've never called that before. Um, and I think that he's going to be forced to make a lot of decisions he's not going to have the time to really think about. And if he's forced to scramble out of the pocket, throw on the move, throw off of his back feet... The Ravens may take advantage. We know that Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphreys are very good at adjusting and making adjustments within game because they're one of the better corners in the league. And I think that Lamar Jackson, with the MVP campaign that he's currently going on right now, the fact that he is pushing himself for a contract, the fact that he bet on himself and the way that he's performing thus far in the season shows that he's not scared of anybody. And right now, I guarantee you, Lamar smells blood in the water. Buffalo is not Buffalo at full capacity. And I think that if the rape... Excuse me, I had a burp. If the Ravens are able to take advantage of these injuries, capitalize on all their offensive possessions, and Lamar is able to run that RPO as effectively as we know he can, who's to say this game doesn't get blown out of proportion? I'm not saying that Josh Allen and the offense don't have the capabilities to keep up, but if Josh can't throw the ball or stand up straight in the pocket or is being rushed consistently, I don't necessarily know how long that's going to be able to last. Josh Allen does best when he has time to throw and can make clear, concise decisions out of the, excuse me, within the pocket. And if he's rushed out or if it's a design quarterback run or a play action rollout, that's different. When a play is designed for you to take a three or five step drop and you have zero seconds to make a decision and scan the field to make a read, I don't think he's going to be able to be Josh Allen to the fullest extent of his capabilities. So I got Baltimore winning this game. I don't want to give blowout potential, but I wouldn't be surprised if this one got out of hand pretty quickly. I'm going to go out here and say that it's going to be a high-scoring affair because Josh is going to try to keep it close, but I think in the second half, Baltimore runs away with this, and I think this could get anywhere from 35-24, 35-28. Um, I got Baltimore winning this game, taking a 3-1 record, and Buffalo slides down to 2-2 two and two this week. I think there's one thing that we have to account for when it comes to the injury report with the Bills right now. Mind you, we're recording this on Tuesday. Tuesday. So we got five days until Sunday. There's a lot of time, you know, for those players to recover from some of their dings and their nicks that they picked up from that Dolphins game this past weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a boatload of players on Buffalo that, that missed this game against the Ravens. I don't dispute that or at least have the opportunity to maybe miss this game. But I, I will say that I think the one thing that if you look at Buffalo's performance last week that I think really hindered them. And it was apparent to me. It was the heat in Miami. And you could tell that the effectiveness, not only in the offense, but on the defense, was diminished because of that. It was 95 degrees outside. And on the field itself, 
the temperatures had to be ranging in between 100 to 105 degrees. That turf is hot. That grass is hot. So granted, this will be a little bit cooler compared to what they played last week, you know, when they, you know, go up against each other on Sunday. But overall, even with the injuries that Buffalo had last week against Miami, and Miami's a pretty solid team uh, from top to bottom, Buffalo only lost that game by two points. So Buffalo had opportunities to win that game, despite all the heat-related issues and the injury-related issues that they had. And I do think that if they're able to contain Lamar, I'm saying contain, I'm not going to say stop, because I don't think you're going to be able to stop Lamar. There's going to be some plays where Lamar just breaks it off and can scamper out for 15, 20 yards. And if he really scampers, he could go to 30 to 40. We saw that against the Patriots last week. He was able to do that quite effectively. But all things considered, I think that the Buffalo defense can be able to hold the Ravens to under 30 points potentially, but it's going to be some work. So, and I will say that when it comes to Lamar Jackson, he has been playing at an MVP level so far. And if he can continue that against the Bills defense, granted a weakened one because of all the injuries, uh, that would definitely be a tip in his cap towards, you know, basically being at the top of the MVP leaderboard even furthermore than what we have at this point in time. But I have to say, I think that motivation is a good fuel source for the Bills here. That was probably a game they should have won against Miami this past weekend. They let it slip. And, you know, sometimes they can use that as fuel to get it back against the Ravens. I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to be a blowout, that Buffalo is going to just take them up, you know, win this game by 50 points and game's going to be over by halftime. That's not going to be the case. This is going to be a very competitive matchup. I just have a little bit more faith in Buffalo's defense than I have the Ravens' defense. And that's even with all the injury issues because let's face it, when they played the Patriots last week, they still gave up 26 points. And the Patriots' offense has been hit or miss, to say the least. And the 26 points that the Patriots scored against the Ravens' defense was their highest point total compared to what they played to the last two games before that. So there's going to be opportunities for this offense, specifically with the Bills here, to get points on the board. So that's why I went with the Bills on this one, just because Gabriel Davis is going to be playing. Stephon Diggs is going to be playing. Dustin Knox is going to be playing. Isaiah McKenzie's going to be playing. If there's no injuries to any of those receivers, I think they'll be fine. You make a good point about their offensive line being potentially weakened because of the injuries, specifically to Mitch Morris. That's definitely one that we have to keep in mind here. But this is going to be a fun game. I could see both teams oh, winning this game. it's definitely going to be a good one. But I think I got the Bills in this one. But it could go either way. I understand you were where you were coming from, though. It's... Two mobile quarterbacks. It's it's the battle of who can run the most and yeah. what defense is going to be able to make a stop. When you have offensive outputs like this, when you have two potential MVP candidates at the quarterback position that could do it both ways, um, it's a real toss up for me, man. But at the end of the day, I just it I think that that offensive line breakdown, if those offensive linemen end up being hurt or play hurt uh, on Sunday, it's going to pay dividends for Baltimore's pass rush. And I'm not saying that they're anything intimidating, but you're sitting there fighting against backups. That's a lot of inconsistencies right there with the play calling and the scheming that you're going to be able to do. So we'll see what happens, but you know, it's and, uh, it's like, it's going to be a toss up. And also I wouldn't be surprised if we see a increased workload for JK Dobbins. It was his first game back last week against the Patriots. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets some more touches going into this week four matchup, just because he's still recovering from the ACL tear from last year. But, I would expect as, you know, the games keep going on, we get into October, he's definitely going to get an increase in touches overall. So that will actually 100%. take a little, that will take some pressure off of Lamar a little bit, which I think will yep. be beneficial to the Ravens long-term. 
They just got to stay healthy. That's the main thing. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Now, the nighttime matchup. The matchup that we have been awaiting for about two seasons is already kind of not what we had anticipated, and that kind of sucks. And the only reason I say that is because Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't at full strength right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't what they were when they won the Super Bowl two seasons ago, and obviously the Chiefs are not the same team. But they are 2-1, and one, both teams respectively. So I will go out there and say, listen, this game has the potential to be an absolute beauty and a gem because of the rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and, of course, Tom Brady. The narrative of Baby Goat versus the actual Goat in the Super Bowl was trending for weeks and weeks even after the Super Bowl. So we're looking at this and saying, what can happen, right? What, 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 what can Tom Brady muster up after the poor performance that they had against Green Bay? So Kyle, I'm, I'm, as the Brady fan, as the guy that supports the champion of champions, do you think Pat can travel over with the Chiefs and knock Brady off back-to-back weeks? I actually think that the Chiefs are going to win this game when it's all said and done. And Kev, I think it's basically how you outlined it. The Bucks are not at full strength, and especially on that offensive line. Because when I look back to that Packers game, and you could even extend it back farther uh, to the beginning of the year, the Bucks' offensive line has failed in every single way imaginable to protect Tom. And this is not a case that Tom Brady is falling off or that he's you know, showing some sort of drop-off in effectiveness. It's the fact of the matter is, is that the offensive line is hurt. And until the offensive line gets back to full strength, I think it's going to be a uphill battle for the Bucks' offense moving forward. Now, granted, I do believe that the Bucks will get some reinforcements back for their wide receiving core. Obviously, Mike Evans will come back into the fold after he served his one-game suspension last week when he missed the Packers game. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Godwin plays in this game. He'll probably be questionable. Uh, that's an injury that we'll probably have to monitor uh, throughout the week just because he's been dealing with a hamstring issue since the first game of the year. Um, same thing with Julio Jones. I, I think his status is going to be up in the air as well, but time will tell as the week goes on. But I think when it comes to the Chiefs here, I think the Chiefs are going to get it back in a major way. Uh, they were a little bit disappointing, to say the least, when they lost to the Indianapolis Colts last week. Uh, they only put up 17 points on the board against Indy, and you got to credit Indy's defense for being able to slow down that Patrick Mahomes-led offense. But I will say that when I look at this matchup of the Chiefs against the Bucks defense, I do think that the Chiefs can be able to exploit this Bucks secondary. And even though that the Bucks defensively have been stout this year, I believe they're the they're one of like the few teams left that have yet to give up over 30 points throughout the first three weeks of the season. So they're they're really playing at a high level right now. And it would definitely be a challenge for Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense to be able to get points on the board. Um, against this Tampa defense. But I think when you tie in the questionable aspect of the Bucks offense, just based off the fact that the offensive line has been having issues, uh, the receivers have been in and out of the lineup due to injury, I just don't have a lot of faith that the Bucks are going to be able to get enough points against this Chiefs defense. And it's not to say that this Chiefs defense is like all world and this is like the number one defense in the league, but the Bucs have really struggled to put points on the board. They have not scored 30 points yet. They haven't even cracked over 25 points yet as a unit. So, you know, if you're a Bucs fan, you would hope that, you know, a great offensive performance is in the, the coming weeks. But I don't know if it's going to be against the Chiefs here. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for the Bucs here. And I think when it's all said and done, I think the Chiefs will get this win against Tampa. I think it is going to be a relatively close game just because I do think that that Bucs defense is going to be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes 
in that Chiefs offense. If I had to put a score on it, I think it would be a one-possession game. I'm going to say the Chiefs win this one by the score of 27-20. to 20. I do that the Bucs will score 20 in this game, but I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to do just enough to get by uh, the Bucs defense here and get the Chiefs to a 3-1 and one record, and it would set the Bucs back to a 2-2 two and two record. I'm going to be straight up. I got the Chiefs winning this game, but not for blatant reasons, as Kyle alluded to, because I'm also nervous about the Chiefs, and here's why. So Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Low-key kind of struggled against my Colts. They did not look uh, in sync. They looked uh, out of sorts. They looked kind of completely off-key. And that Andy Reid offense looked completely out of whack for whatever reason. Mind you, the Colts defense has a total of, what, like four sacks on the season? And we found a way to pressure Patrick Mahomes about five or six times. We only got one sack out of it, but he was on the ground for a good amount of time. And I want to give credit to you know the Colts pass rush here, but the Colts defense is nowhere near what Tampa's defense is. The Colts' pass rush is nowhere near what Tampa's pass rush is. And obviously, you see where I'm going with that because Tampa's defense is that much better. I think that the Chiefs find a way to win this because they're quick. Um, Patrick Mahomes is a lot more mobile than Matt Ryan is, and I believe that personally they're going to be able to get the ball out a lot quicker than the Colts were able to because they have playmakers on the outside with Juju Smith-Schuster and obviously Travis Kelsey leading the helm at the receiving core now that Tyreek Hill is gone. But, of course, some other uh, named receivers are going to be available as well. I think the Chiefs bounce back because Andy's going to be ticked that they lost a really close one uh, as the game kind of ticked down and Pat threw that interception to lose the game. And I think that they're going to dial up some different plays on the offensive side. But on the Buccaneer side, that offensive line is horrible too. And I really believe that if Green Bay was able to get back there, then Kansas City is going to get back there too because they're coming off a five-sack performance against Matt Ryan. And again... (laughs) Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, they may be different ages, but they move damn near the same. They're both old as shit. So I really believe that that Kansas City pass rush is going to find a way to make 45-year-old Tom Brady feel maybe even 55 because it's just going to be unbearable. I think this might be a defensive game to a certain extent because I feel like if both quarterbacks have no time to pass, if both quarterbacks don't have time to make the right reads, this could end up being a sloppy mess. So if this game is played in Tampa for whatever reason, Field might be wet, still might be raining, lingering effects from Ian. If it's in Miami, I would hope at that point the field is ready to go. But neither here nor there, this game is just not going to fulfill our expectations of what we thought the rematch was going to end up being between these two Hall of Famers. And I really do believe that it's unfortunate because Tom's obviously frustrated. The offensive line isn't healthy. The receiving core isn't healthy. And for those of you that are coming in the comments and social media, you make me laugh because you just reflect the fact that you don't understand how the sport is supposed to be played. Your quarterback is the literal heart, soul, and life of your offense. If he, from the time he receives the ball from the center, has no time to throw the ball effectively, make the right read, and throw it to an open receiver, how is he supposed to win the game? How is the team supposed to win the game? Oh, now you're all making excuses for Tom Brady. Hey, Kyle can vouch for me. I hate that man. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, but I don't like that man. And I was defending him in our social media comments this week. So I will, I will let that be, and that is another topic for another day. But the point of what I'm getting at is Tom has absolutely no time to what he's used to having. Tom has no mobility factor, and he's limited to who he can throw to and who he can trust. They elevated Cole Beasley from the practice squad last week. Chris Godwin's been hurt. Julio Jones just got there, and he's potentially about to miss his second game. And Mike Evans was suspended. He'll get his number one receiver back in Mike Evans, who will provide to be a difficult matchup for any opposing corner on that side. And I think that if Tampa wants to win, 
you have to lean on Leonard Fournette, man. He had over 100 yards against Dallas, and he hasn't touched that plateau since. I know that they they are trying to incorporate the run a little bit more, but Green Bay was able to find it, find out and stop Lenny uh, a little bit more frequently than I had even expected. So I really do think that Kansas City is going to focalize on that pass rush, stacking the box, and if that leaves one-on-one matchups, that means that Mike Evans, Rashad Perryman, and Cole Beasley are going to have to take advantage of those matchups. And if that means you have to dip on the tight end Cameron Brait, then that means you got to dip it and dive all the way on the tight end as well. So it's going to be a close one. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is somewhere around the lines of 20 to 17, maybe even 17 to 14, because I, I really feel that both defenses are going to find a way to make the opposing quarterbacks lives a living hell. And it's just, I don't think points are going to be coming as quickly as we had originally anticipated. But nevertheless, I'm excited to see if Tom can bounce back. And of course, if Patrick can recover from the struggle it looked like he had against the Colts last week. I think to me, it's going to come to whether or not the bus can contain Casey's pass rush. And if they can't, I'd be surprised if the back, if the Bucks score 17 points here. And it's not because of Tom. I, I just, It's going to be a lack of just productivity based off of the inconsistency on the offensive line. I will say, just to kind of make a point here, uh, I thought the Bucks made a very good second-half adjustment against the Packers last week when they decided to go hurry up. And it seemed as if that Bucks offense finally started to get into a rhythm. And that was despite the fact that they were missing their top three receivers. You know, they were working with basically second and third string receivers. And even though that didn't result in scoring touchdowns, they were able to, they were still able to move the ball. They just couldn't cash in on touchdowns. I mean, they were able to cash in on one uh, right at the end of the fourth quarter, but they just missed a two point conversion uh, to potentially tie it. But I will say that I think Tampa's going to learn. Um, from this offensive line issue. And I think it's going to come in the form of maybe going a little bit more hurry up. I think Tom is more than capable of leading a hurry up offense just to kind of give the offensive line a little bit of, I guess, reprieve just based off of the fact when that defense has a little bit more time to rest, uh, that defensive line can pin their ears back against that Tampa offensive line and they can bring a consistent pass rush against Brady. But overall, I think this is going to be a very difficult game for Tampa. I think that the Chiefs are definitely going to have their challenges just because, well, let's face it, Tampa has had a great defense so far this year. That defense has really kept it in it uh, for Tampa so far this year. Uh, they were able to force four to five turnovers against the Saints in week two. They held the Cowboys to three points in week one. They held Aaron Rodgers in that Packers offense to 14 points. And it's not because of the defense that they lost last week. It was just that the offense just couldn't get it together. But I think that defense kind of understands the issues that are going on with the offense right now. So they're probably playing a little bit at an overachieving level just so that they can possibly win games. But, you know, until there's a bigger emphasis on more offensive capabilities when it comes to their overall performance, I think Tampa's going to struggle a little bit. And it wouldn't surprise me if they struggle in this game too. It sucks. Um, and I, I know I've said that before, but when you see on the schedule, Pat, Tom, it's like you want it. What the hell? You want it to be a better matchup than the Super Bowl was because obviously, you know, the Bucs destroyed the Chiefs and there was, was a- there was no coming back from that. And you just want to see if Pat still has that chip, which you know he does. And you want to see if Tom is going to continue to put him in his place until he retires to say, young buck, remember who daddy is. Like, remember who's still here. And that 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 narrative is just a, 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 incredible for the media. So you're just looking at it like, I want, them to be at full capacity. I want them to go at it. Well, like even looking at last week when the when uh, the Bucks were going up against the Packers, I don't think that we were necessarily as 
excited or we were anticipating it as much just based off of the fact that Tampa was going to be down based off of just injuries, the suspension of Mike Evans, the offensive line issues. And Aaron Rodgers basically has a entire new wide receiving core and they've been having chemistry issues. So, and the game played out kind of the way that we thought that it would. I didn't think that we were going to think that it was going to end 14 to 12 in just a no. defensive battle. But you could definitely see that the writing was on the wall going into that matchup, that it was not going to be one of those like 35, 31 games or 31, 28 games where it's just going to be a shootout where you see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady playing at a peak performance. We, we just didn't get that sense going into the week. And honestly, I'm kind of getting a very similar feeling when this game is going to be played on Sunday. And that's even if it's played on Sunday. We don't even know if this game is going to get played in Tampa on Sunday. This game could be played at an alternate site. It could be Miami, Atlanta, Minneapolis. I mean, there's a boatload of different venues that they could play at. But that's even if the game goes off on Sunday. And obviously, by the time that you guys see this, more than likely you'll have a better update um, when it comes to the status of that Bucks and Chiefs game than we do at this time. I know we kind of already mentioned it already, but we are recording on Tuesday. So if we're a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to just the status updates, it's just because of that. So we're doing our best to try to forecast, no pun intended, the future when it comes to uh, these games that are going to take place this weekend. I'm excited, man. I just, I'm excited for something. Like if I could skip to Sunday without this hurricane, I need to. I, I I get the anxiety, obviously, a little bit more than Kyle does. Uh, we're both obviously not from here, but Kyle's just naturally a little bit more of the calmer individual out of the two of us. So we'll oh. see what happens, you know. We'll... So, so so here's the thing. You know, I know we have one more game to go over, but I know for me, more than likely, at some point, I'm probably going to go to my parents' house. I'm probably going to open their garage door. I'll pull up a chair, and I'll just watch it. I'll just That's watch crazy the storm. to me, bro. That's crazy. I'm just, not about to sit under I, a bed or in a tub, but I'm not about to go watch it. I'll be, be in the garage, though. I'm I mean, not about to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I used to do the same thing with blizzards back up in New England. That's I, different. Snowfall is pretty. And we were kids. Like, we were oh, younger. Like, I, we used I'm to talking, have fun in the snow. I'm talking about blizzard conditions. I'm talking, like, when it's blowing at 30, 40 miles an hour. Bro, it could get pretty fierce out there for a blizzard. Now, I'm not yeah, saying it's the same garage, as... if you're in a garage, you're chilling. Yeah, well... It's the same thing. I mean, great that the conditions are going to be a little bit different when it comes to this yeah. hurricane, but the, the principle associated with it is the same. I'm, I'm not going to do it for hours. I'm going to probably do it for like 10, 15 minutes. I'll get sick of it and then go back inside. But I know one thing for sure is that my dog's going to be scared out of his mind. We oh, already nice. have a, uh, yeah, we have a thunder vest for him. Sorry. A thunder vest is basically kind of like, kind of think of it as like, it's not a rug, but it's like this attachable vest that it essentially helps him calm down whenever there's thunder. Because he doesn't like thunderstorms. It's the thunder that he he starts shaking. He starts getting like really stressed out. So, yeah, I think my mom or my dad, they found this thunder vest on Amazon a couple months ago. And whenever there's a thunderstorm that, that's coming to the house or is nearby, they'll just throw that thing on him. And it'll help a little bit. Like, he's still is scared when it comes to like thunderstorms whenever they pop up. But when it comes to this one, this is going to be an all day thing. Probably Wednesday night going into Thursday morning. He's going to have that thing on at least for a day just until the hurricane passes by. But yeah, just something that, uh, just something that, you know, 
they probably found it on Amazon and it, it helps. It helps a little bit. So maybe he's bro. He's going to be on us like a shadow. I'll tell you that right now. A hundred percent. He's not leaving your side. If you think he yeah. is, you're out of your mind. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be one of, uh, I think this might actually be like his first hurricane. So this will be something different, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this hurricane, but I, I know we got to get back on task here. Yeah, no, we always tend to do this. We always tend to like fall right back off and just get distracted by side conversations, tangents or whatever have you. So we're going to wrap this up and we're going to move it to our final game, which is the Monday night game. The Rams are going to San Francisco to face in an interdivisional matchup in the NFC West. Matt Stafford didn't have the greatest game in the world uh, last week against the Cardinals, but it was enough for them to win. They ran the ball pretty effectively. I mean, they only had 100 yards, but it was at five yards a clip. And then the 49ers... Let's just be blunt, blunt here. Um, that was a piss poor performance, quite honestly. And we saw that there was some scrutiny with Jimmy walking off saying some of these plays are shit or whatever it is that he quoted walking off. He doesn't look happy with Kyle Shanahan. So seems to be trouble in paradise in California. And uh, we're going to have to see what happens here. But I mean, Kyle, just to kind of pass this one over, uh, do you think the Rams can advance to three and one over what seems to be the crippling 49ers? Yeah, this is an easy one for me. I think the Rams win this one by at least 14 points. I understand that the Rams have not necessarily looked at their best so far. Uh, points have kind of been a struggle for them outside of the Falcons game. That was probably their best game of the year so far. Uh, they've struggled. Uh, when I look back to that Cardinals game last week in week three, I mean, they only put 20 points on the board. Matt Stafford was okay, but I think Kevin and I had better expectations or better ideas of what, the Rams were going to be at the beginning of the year, and they really haven't manifested themselves that way so far. Granted, it is September, and just because the Rams look this way right now, it doesn't mean that they're going to look this way come November and December. They could look like a completely different team uh, come that time. But I, I will say, you know, being at a 2-1 record with the way that they look, they could take that. You know, going into October, that's something that they could put their uh, best foot forward with. And I think going up against the 49ers, I think this is going to be a pretty doable matchup for them I think their defense is going to be able to slow down the 49ers quite consistently here uh, Jimmy G did not get off to a good start in his first start with the 49ers this season um, it was kind of it was a tough one for the 49ers last week it was one of those games I look back to that Monday night game it was probably one of the most boring games I've ever witnessed in my entire life and I've seen some oh my God, boring <laughs> games I mean I remember Super Bowl 53 the Patriots and the Rams the, the Patriots won that one 13 to 3 that game was sort of a snooze fest. Very similar fashion. That 49ers and Broncos game on Monday night may have outdid that one. And that's no easy feat by itself. So, and the way that I see it, even though that the Rams, they may not have a better defense than what the Broncos have. I, maybe it's comparable to a certain extent. But I think if the Rams are able to get any sort of pass rush against Jimmy G, I think it's going to be a tough, a tough uphill battle for that 49ers offense. But I do have to see better consistency from the Rams here on the offensive side of the ball. Matt Stafford has not looked that great so far. Now, granted, this could be a good opportunity for him to kind of get it into gear, play up to his A game. And not only that, you know, the rest of the offense to get it together. Cooper Cup has been very consistent, though. He's basically continuing the success that he had from last year. I would expect that to be the same going into this one. The same needs to go with Allen Robinson. They just need to keep working on that chemistry to get it to a point where it's locked down. And if they're able to run the ball consistently with Cam Akers, I think it'll do them a solid going into this game. But when it comes to the 49ers, just based off of that performance last week against the Broncos, 
I just don't have a lot of faith for them moving forward. I thought that they would have been all right with Jimmy G at the helm. And maybe it's a little bit of recency bias here for me, but the 49ers are going to have to show me something as far as, you know, putting points on the board before I start having a little bit more faith in them. I just don't have a lot of faith after what they did last week. So if I were to pit the 49ers over the Rams on this one, uh, you might have to test me for drugs just because I don't know what I might be on. But yeah, when it comes to the Rams here, I think the Rams win this one by about two possessions. If I had to put a score on it, I think the Rams win this one by the score of 27 to 14, 27, 13. Uh, the Rams should move the three and one after this week and would pretty much hold themselves as the best team in the NFC West at this point in time. So I'm going to agree with Kyle. I got the Rams. Um, Trent Williams is actually out with a high ankle sprain for the foreseeable fu- high ankle sprain for the foreseeable future. Jo- Aaron Donald's just licking at his fingertips, man. He said, oh, the best offensive tackle in the game ain't here. That means I got to eat, and that means the rest of my teammate is going to eat. Jalen Ramsey's obviously going to sit on the outside and guard the best receiver that approaches. Obviously, we know that Debo Samuel lines up all over the field, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be him, whether that's Brandon Ayuk, whether that's George Kittle. It really, really depends on who is going to be guarded by Jalen because we all know that when he's on his A game, he is the best corner in the league. Um, And I'm also looking at Jimmy G. People fail to realize this. There's been a lot of Jimmy G slander on both my timeline on Twitter, on TikTok. Jimmy was going to be traded this offseason. Jimmy had shoulder surgery this offseason. Jimmy wasn't getting reps in training camp, offseason mini camp, preseason, during the season because he had no interest in basically playing because he thought he was going to be gone. They obviously signed him and restructured his contract so that he could be the backup. So he has no reps with the starting cast. He has absolutely no practice, nothing to warm up outside of maybe some routine warm-ups just to stay fresh so when he got traded or when he thought he was going to get traded, it was going to happen and he would be at least ready to go physically. Uh, I don't necessarily know if he's ready yet. He has absolutely no game experience in terms of this season, like in terms of getting warm. He's not ready yet and I'm not giving him excuses. It's just fact. As a quarterback, you have to be ready. You have to know the playbook. You have to know what's going on. He didn't receive a playbook this offseason. So how was he supposed to know? Oh, he was on the team the last couple of years. Things couldn't change. Things shouldn't be that different. Again, people that say that don't understand football. Kyle Shanahan's an offensive guru. That playbook probably changes dramatically year in and year out because he's got new ideas. He wants to alter some plays. He wants to take plays out because he doesn't feel that they worked or whatever have you. So Jimmy's got to get acclimated. Jimmy's got to get back into a groove. And I'm not saying that that's going to be this week, but... The Rams aren't exactly bulletproof like they have been over the last couple of years. Or, you know, last year, should I say. Cooper Cup had a poor performance last week with only 44 yards receiving. So I'm not going to say that this is going to be a blowout. I think with the pass rush of the Rams, excuse me, of the 49ers, this could end up being a little closer than expected. Uh, I won't go as far as to say 14 points, but I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco keeps this a little bit closer just because of that dynamic of having Debo Samuel lining up in different places. Uh, George Kittle is back, thankfully. And the run game of San Francisco, them being one of the better running teams in the league, I think that they're going to find a way to kind of impress a lot of people to run against the Rams defense. So I'm going to go with the Rams winning, but I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit closer. I wouldn't be surprised if this is somewhere along the lines of 28-24. These match... Matt, I keep burping today. These matchups are always closer than what I originally anticipated. I mean, it's always the 49ers and the Rams going at it back and forth. I mean, this division is tough. These teams play each other tough. I mean, for God's sakes, the Rams almost 
lost to the Cardinals last week if Kyler Murray would have kind of completed and achieved that final drive that they had, but they fell short, and they, they made it an eight-point game, which was reasonable. We've seen the Rams collapse against Buffalo in week one. We saw them almost choke against Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy has a chip on his shoulder this week, comes ready to go, and this offense starts to click and move a little bit more, not to win, but to show them, hey, this ain't going to be no blowout. So again, 24, 28, somewhere along that realm. I, I believe it's going to be a little bit closer than originally anticipated, but I got the Rams. Yeah, and like I said, maybe a little bit of recency bias for me on this one, uh, just based off of that Monday night stinker between the 49ers and but that the, was a uh, defensive uh, showdown. They really, they really held it down. The 49ers, man, like Bosa was getting after it, and so many other. I mean, Fred Warner was all over the field. Like it was, it was effective. You, you, like you it, do understand who they were going up against, though, right? That, Broncos that, County. That, Let's ride. I mean, country. They did whatever. A, they did enough. <laughs> Did enough. I mean, eleven to ten, bro. What the yeah, hell kind of score I, is that? I've never even seen a score like that. I was gonna ask you, have you ever seen a score like that before? I know I haven't. That seems more like a baseball score to me, bro. There was a freaking what was it? There was a safety and then a touchdown and then a missed field goal. That's why they yeah. ended with eleven. Yeah. No, they, a seven seven points. No, wait. There was a safety. Mathematically, how's that work? Field goal, safety, five points. They probably got three Seven field goals plus... and, and then a safety. Oh, three. Oh, two more field goals. They didn't score a touchdown. Wait, no, they had to have scored a touchdown, right? I only saw I only saw the highlights to Hold on. that game. See, now I'm now I'm confused because I'm like, there's just not a chance that that really with the amount happened. of punts with the amount of punts that were associated with that game. That game was a stinker. Eli Manning's comments were hilarious. I'm just saying that the fact. The fact that Eli Manning said yesterday at Monday Night Football they should have paid $235 million to the punter is hysterical. Dude, even the Manning brothers were bored last night or Sunday night calling that game. Yeah, it was bad. Or no, the Manning brothers called the Monday night game, but they must have been bored as shit watching it Sunday night. Excuse me. Well, no, because I think they made those comments on the Monday night game when the Giants were playing the Cowboys. That's, That's what I said. Yeah, they made. made it on they made Mon it on Monday, yeah. but they watched the game Sunday night. Yeah. Well, at least you know ESPN got the better deal on the primetime games because NBC got a got a rotten game for that one. That was ooh. That was pretty. That was pretty bad. But no, I I was gonna make a I was gonna make a joke, but uh, I, I'm not gonna make it. It had to do with the score, but I, I'm not gonna make it. 10, 11... 11 to 10. Go, I mean, you might as well, uh, you might as well uh, go for it. No, no I'll, I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after we stop recording. All right. Well, then I guess you guys won't be getting uh, the comedy show that I'm about to get because I feel like this is about to be kind of funny because Kyle's making that face. Yep. So, um, yep. again, guys, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the episode. It's a little bit on the shorter side, uh, shorter than we're normally accustomed to. So, again, we apologize. But with the hurricane, excuse me, there's not much we can do. So, uh, I mean, Kyle, do you have any closing remarks for the week? No, I mean, we just tried to get ahead of the storm as best as we could. Um, like I, like we said earlier, uh, this the, uh, the episode's going to be uploaded on Friday. Uh, the segments will come out um, on Friday and Saturday when it comes to the games that we covered in this episode. So, you know, if we came off as a little bit incorrect, you know, based off of the information that we had at the time of our recording, uh, we do apologize uh, just based off at the time, you know, we're just trying to forecast things out as best as we could, uh, basically two to three days in advance before the episode's even going to be uploaded. So, you know, if we were a little bit off in some of our 
our points that we made in some of our analysis. You know, we apologize for that, but you know, we're just trying to be proactive here the best that we can. And, you know, hopefully uh, you guys uh, enjoyed it as much as we did uh, just because, well, whenever we get a chance to talk about football, Kevin and I never pass up an opportunity on that. So hell no, we, we try to take full advantage of it, but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, not the best circumstances for us right now. Um, you guys will probably get an update from us probably on Friday. Just once this uh, hurricane passes by, uh, we'll have a better assessment of how we'll proceed moving forward. But do expect content uh, to be flowing pretty consistently, despite the fact that we probably won't be recording until, well, hopefully on Sunday. It's probably going to be the next time that we that we'll try to record, but. It's all based on what happens with this hurricane. If it goes well for both Kevin and I, um, we'll hope to shoot for a Sunday night record and then maybe a new episode on Monday. But if, you know, God forbid, if, you know, things go really south for us, um, we'll keep you guys in the loop uh, depending on how we'll proceed moving forward just based off of how this hurricane is going to roll. But no, but um, once again, uh, we say it every podcast episode. Uh, we just appreciate you guys tuning in, whether it's listening to the audio side of things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching our YouTube comment, uh, our YouTube content. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys. Uh, just bear in mind, you know, bear with us for the next couple of days as you know we ride out this hurricane, and uh, we'll give you guys updates uh, as soon as you know we're able to give it. But yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you are in Florida and you're one of our followers or subscribers on any platform, please stay safe. Uh, for anybody in the neighboring states, as the hurricane makes its way up through Florida throughout the week, please be careful, stay safe, like I said, and uh, we'll be seeing you guys again as soon as possible, and hopefully it'll be on Sunday, but if not, we will make sure that we keep you posted on all fronts, and uh, hopefully we talk to you guys again soon, man. Have a great rest of your week. Yep. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.